I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, the always entertaining Fred Smoot, the former Washington Corner, talks about William Jackson III, the new Washington Corner. He talks about Washington's offseason and some fun stories about Brett Favre and others. Often, the best thing to do with Smoot is just let him talk and get out of the way. Fortunately for you, my voice won't be as scratchy during the conversation. You can also check out Smoot on his podcast with Chick Hernandez called that's your opinion with Chicken Smooth. You can read my work on ESPN.com. We have a recap and analysis of all of Washington's free agent moves this offseason, not just for Washington, but for every team. Also, throughout April, I'll be running some quick draft day memories from various players. I'll have some from John Jansen and Chris Thompson on Wednesday. Not long memories, but enough to let you know what it was like for these individuals. Give it a listen. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating on Apple or anywhere you can. It all helps and it's much appreciated. Finally, I'd like to schedule another private Zoom session as a way to say thank you for listening for those who are interested, of course. I'll let you know how to do so at the end of this episode. The, I would like to do that private Zoom on this Thursday, if possible. Before I play my conversation with Fred Smoot, a couple items on the signing of Adam Humphreys. I told you for a couple of weeks that even after signing Curtis Samuel, they wanted a true slot receiver. There was disappointment over Steven Sims last season, especially with his hands. And they also wanted to be able to move Samuel around in a three receiver set. If he's your only slot, then you're kind of left having him run routes only from there. But this allows them to move Samuel around. They like him out of the slot, of course, without a doubt but they also want to be able to line them up in the backfield or out wide next to Terry McLaurin, for example. It would be a mistake if they don't line him up in the slot because he's effective there. And I would say this, Terry McLaurin was really effective there last year as well, being able to move around. You want to be able to move guys around and having Humphreys, I do think, expands what Samuel can do. Also, it doesn't necessarily end the pursuit of another receiver. They'd like to add a big receiver if possible, whether it's trading for Keel Harry or drafting one, not a definite, definitely, you know, but it is something that I think, you know, it's, it would be on their list of the desires. And I'll have some of those other areas they want to address as well in a minute. Um, they do have some big targets they like, notably Cam Sims, and they're intrigued by Kelvin Harmon because of his physical style. They drafted Antonio Gandy-Golden for a reason last year. So this will be a big summer for him after showing little in 2020, in part because of injuries, but in part because I think it took him a while to adjust to the NFL game. And if there is one added, I've told you they could always convert someone such as Harmon to a tight end. He's got the size already at 15 pounds, 10, 15 pounds, and put him in a move position. I think they'd be good to go. That's not something other than a theory at this point. So don't, don't jump the gun here. It's just, you know, that's the, there you go. Based on my conversations, the other areas they want to address in no particular order, tight end, free safety, left tackle, linebacker, running back, 
and then finding a dual returner. That player could be a corner or a receiver, of course, but it is a desire. And yeah, they'd act, like to add more competition at running back. I can't say when they'll address all these areas. It could be before, during, after the draft. Don't know. I know a left tackle, for example, if they don't draft one, which I'd be surprised if they didn't, they could always look at a guy like Alejandro Villanueva after the draft as a one-year veteran type guy. He's getting some attention now, so he might not be around. And again, I do think they're going to draft one. It's a good draft for tackles. And in that 19th range, it's going to be, a, they'll have their options there. Um, it is, it's a good draft for tackles, again, and linebackers. And there are tight ends they like who would be available after the first round. I've told you as well that finding another QB, someone they could groom for the future is on the list too. Not a guarantee, but it's definitely a possibility. So are all these other spots I just told you about. Finally, with new corner, William Jackson III. I know he excels at press man coverage. We've had, there's been a lot of questions about this. Just watch some tape of him about his role here, I should say. Watch some tape of him in Cincinnati. He shows good feet and balance off the line. Knows how to navigate traffic and avoid picks. You go back and watch against Washington. He broke up a slant route to Terry McLaurin that way. Breaks up, I saw him against Indianapolis, break up a slant to T.Y. Hilton the same way and just really good coverage and again avoids getting that getting picked in traffic so that's really good and again I get asked a lot if Washington will play more man now with him I really don't know I don't think they're going to tell you now and you know and that question's been asked but I don't you know nobody's really going to say yeah we're going to play a lot more man I think you'd want to watch let, let teams figure out as it goes along why why say a, a lot now at this point what I do know is that Washington ranked 26th in the NFL last year playing man with single high safety, according to ESPN stats and information. Cincinnati ranked fifth. They were in it about half, um, a little more than 43% of the time. And then you also have some other, you know, man situations with too, too deep, et cetera. But the bottom line is Cincinnati played more man coverage and he was able to play more press man because of it. Keep in mind, the Bengals coverage stunk outside of Jackson. I can't imagine Washington goes a ton more man just by adding Jackson. Yes, it's his strength. And I do think Jimmy Moreland does better in that as well, but it's not everybody's strength. And therefore Jackson will have to play some play more zone than he's probably accustomed to. But again, I don't know the breakdown. I'm sure they'll use him more in those situations. You can use combo coverages too. I don't know that it's a major weakness. It's just something he'd do more of. And a lot of zones become like a man, especially like if you're in a cover three situation, which they do do a decent amount of. And talking to people who know Jackson well, he's a major studier, but more so of his man than just route combinations. So to excel in zone, you have to understand those concepts and play with more vision. If receiver X runs a flat route, it also means another receiver will be running a particular route behind you, most likely a corner. And as one coach told me, if a spin route in front of you means a dig behind you. It's just knowing that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I certainly think that he's able to do that. I'm not saying he can, um, but I, but I know why he excels in man. And, you know, I think a, a deeper understanding of where your help is, is also part of that too. And that will be the task for Jackson, but Washington would be wise to use more press man situations for him as well. Why? Because he is really good there. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with former Washington corner, Fred Smoot. He is always entertaining. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Fred Smoot. All right, Fred, before I get going, I want to give you a chance. We can get into all this stuff, but let's plug your podcast. You and Chick Hernandez doing a podcast. What's it called? Where can people find it? Uh, first of all, I enjoy doing my podcast with long, long time guy Chick Hernandez. Uh, that's your opinion on the Believe Network. Uh, me, him, Cy Fenwick, our producer. Uh, it's fun. We had everybody on so far as Sean Merriman, Joe Gibbs, Vernon Davis, uh, uh, Coach Gruden last night. So it's a very fun podcast. We kind of, you know, relax. Let your hair down. Talk about things that most people don't talk about. Now, you forgot to mention one of your first guests was me. Yeah, most definitely, Kyle. <laughs> Yo, Joe, that goes without saying. There you go. All right, well, let's get to it. So I want to start with – I'm going to get some other thoughts in a few minutes, but let's start with the guys that Washington has added. First with William Jackson III, plays a position you're well familiar with. What are your thoughts on him, especially playing behind this front? First of all, uh, I love the signing. He reminds me of myself, Kai. I have to be honest. He's long. He's skinny. He can find the ball. He tracks the ball very well. And he's the one thing that's kind of, how should I say, kept him in the background is the fact that he played in Cincinnati. That's the only reason you ain't heard about William Jackson III. Now you take his play in Cincinnati, put it behind his defensive line, I think you get a shutdown corner when you do that. But also, I've realized something about this NFC East. The one thing about this NFC East, it will undress players that's good in other divisions. But when they get to the NFC East, uh, like a guy like Numnum Asawa, when he came to the Eagles, I told people he, he he's going to get exposed. He's going to get exposed because he's never played meaning, meaningful football. And when you ain't played meaningful football, it's hard to gauge what you're going to do when that time comes. And that's one thing for William Jackson. I mean, they weren't playing a lot of meaningful games in Cincinnati, but how does his game translate? Because he is like, he's he's got that length and he's really considered more, he's considered better in man, but you still have mm-hmm. to play a lot of zones. So how will his game translate um, coming over here? I think it's going to translate well just because when you play with a defensive line like this, as a corner, you have to adjust the way you backpedal. You have to you have to backpedal slower because everything's going to happen quicker. The quarterback got to get the, hand, his, the ball out of his hand. All right, they're going to declare whatever they're going to do very quickly. So when you're playing with a D-line like this, you have to take advantage of that. Like, that's what I had when I had Greg Williams. It wasn't so much our D-line. It was his scheme. It made them get rid of the ball. As a corner, the route tree now comes to me, fade, slant, quick pass. That's it. The route tree shrinks very small. So that's what corners have to adjust to when you're playing against a line that'll get pressure like this one will. 
Is it hard, you know, if he if he likes because the book on him is that he likes playing a lot of press man and doing all that. Nobody mm-hmm. only plays press man. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. got it. You have to have some, as Josh mm-hmm. Norman, you say, you have to have other tools in your toolbox. But mm-hmm. how hard is it if a guy likes to play press man to go to playing a lot of zone? What are the keys there to adjust to that or to be good in both? Uh, I think he can play both just because he, he hasn't been asked to. See, that's the one thing I hate about the NFL. I could literally get drafted by a cover two team and I could play 80% cover two. And then they'll say, I can't play man. I, I got drafted mm-hmm. to a team that played cover two. <laughs> like they right. didn't ask me to play man. So the thing about it is, what are you asking him to do? I tell you what, if he can play press man, he can play anything. All right? That's the hardest thing to play. All right? So if he, if that's what he does and excel at, I'm not worried about what he does in every other thing because I know he can play that too. Yeah. And it also, it's, it seems like even if, listen, again, and I checked out the stats for Cincinnati while they were one of the heavier man teams, you're still playing almost at least half the time you're playing zone. I mean, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Nobody plays all man and nobody plays all zone. So, you know, I guess some of it too is how are you going to disguise it? And, and well, well know. any team that plays a lot of man, that means they plays also a lot of cover three because man and cover right. three look exactly the Correct. same. Right. So, they they marry each other when it comes to it. Now the question is, is it just a man in a cover three team? Are, are they speaking in some zone blitz? Because zone blitz will also look the same to a quarterback. So if he can play man, he can play cover three. If he can play cover three, he can play cover two. If he can play cover two, all right, he can play zone blitz. So at the end of the day, whatever the 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 is asked of a player is usually where he delivers. Right, and I think he was a very good signing. Another guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You do you remember playing against him in his first start? Did I? What game was that, Kyle? That was you guys. It was two thousand and eight, and you played Cincinnati. Okay, yes, and it was I late do. in the year. Yeah, and so you didn't you not even realize that was who that was because that was when, his first start. Some kid hey, out of Harvard. Hey, well, at the end of the day, he's still playing. That shows you the longevity at the quarterback <laughs> position. And the great thing about Fitz is he saved his best for last. He's over the last three years, he's actually, you know, his stats say he's a top seven quarterback. Like most people wouldn't think that, but some people actually take time to get better, take time to develop. He's had that time and it's been a journeyman and a guy that's been a a quarterback that's a gap quarterback until your franchise guy, but he's continued to get better each and every year. And the one thing I love about him, he's fearless. He knows I'm playing with with, with, with the church's money anyway. So he plays <laughs> with this Brent Favre wildness that allows him to, how should I say, not play inside a box like a Alex Smith would. Well, as a corner, though, do you like guys like that? Because it gives you more chances, yes. doesn't it? Yes, I do. I love a guy. But like I said, the one thing he's cleaned up over the last three years is turning the ball over. That was big when, when when he first started his career because he was so reckless, he turned the ball over. Over the last couple of years, he's learned how to take care of the ball while still taking those shots. But do I love to play Brett Favre? Yes, not only because he's from Mississippi and both of us had the same season, bus cooking and literally met each other every offseason that I'm going to get you. But at the end of the day, I love Brett because Brett was going to challenge you. All right? And he didn't care if you picked him off once or twice. He'll still come back and challenge you. And you would have little bets with Brett in the offseason? Oh, yes, most definitely. And if I picked off more of Brett Favre passes than I picked off anybody in the league. How much did, how much did that get you? 
Hey, it got me a lot. It got me a lot. <laughs> it got me. It got me respect, and that's what I wanted. You gotta realize when you coming into the league and your agent Buzz Cook and Brett Favre is his client. I'm trying to one up his other client. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Buzz is a great guy, and I always like to talk trash. And 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 I love that competitive. Like you gotta realize this is the off season while we're talking trash to each other. We can't even sure. play each other for months. What What would Brett say to you? Man, the one thing about Brett, his mouth is just as reckless as mine. So it allows, <laughs> it, it, it allows for a, uh, how should I say, a very loose conversation. Because that is like, and that's one of the things I love going back and watching the film from that era too, because, you know, just the talking going on. Was there anything that he said to you even in the game that just kind of like, that's a good one? No, this is what he liked to do. He would he would look at you certain ways. And I, I, I caught on to a couple of his habits. If he ever looked at you and smiled, he finna come at you. Like, <laughs> he finna come at you. So I used to literally gauge him. I used to stare at him and yap at him just to get his expression because he wouldn't tell you I'm finna come at you. But if he looked at you and had this, uh, what they call a shit eating grin on his face, he's <laughs> coming at you, kind. He's finna come <laughs> at you. And he's gonna come at you like two, three times in a row. That's what that's one thing he used. He used repetition to wear you down. Like he'll come at you first down with a five-yard in route. He'll come at you second down with a slant route. Then he'll try to hit you on the fade route on third down, but he'll go to the same side three times in a row to wear that person out. You know, it's funny because like I remember him saying one time that he started because he would get he liked to have fun out there and he would get bored just going through the rote mechanics of being a quarterback. So he mm -hmm. said he started with he would do things late in his career like doing fakes a different way just to make it different for him and to have more fun out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind yeah, of funny. That's, that's what you do, like, if you're a scientist and you're, you're in a lab, you're only going to press the issues and go farther. When, once they tell you, like, this is the limits, you're going to press the issues and go farther. That's who he was. Like he said, he played the game for so long, he had to literally make up ways to entertain himself, to keep him focused. And I think that happens with a lot of greats. And that would make Tom Brady so good. He don't need that. Right. He like he like blocks out the clutter and only focuses on what needs to be done. And he don't care how it's done. He don't care how minute it is or how big it is. Have you watched much of Curtis Samuel over the past? Oh, yes, I have. Listen, he reminds me of a Virginia favorite, Mr. Percy Harvin. Right, if you remember yeah. Percy oh, yeah. Harvin, Percy Harvin, when he comes on the field, and I used to love to play with him on the video game because when I bring a guy like that on the field as an offensive coordinator, you don't know what set I mean. You don't know if there's two wides, one back. You don't know if it's three wides. Uh, you don't know what it is. So imagining this, bringing in Curtis Samuel and you bring Antonio Gibson in, you got a wide receiver that plays running back. You got a running back that plays wide receiver. It looks like a regular set to you, but you don't know where these guys are lining up at. Like so, I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see what Scott Turner is gonna do with the with these personnels because as a defensive player, I know how hard it is to gauge when a person Harvin comes into the game. What are they in? What set? What personnel are they in? You never know until they hike the ball. Well, I think I think that's absolutely what they want to get to is that uncertainty because you also have you know that's why they want to add another pass catching tight end. So now you could you could go with two a two tight end set where they have to choose between nickel or base, and you can attack accordingly. Right, well, here goes the thing about it. Who is their tight end? 
I say it's David and Joku. If 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 Cleveland Browns call us right now and say, "Give me a second round for David and Joku," I give them a second round for David and Joku because I know one thing about this guy: he's a complete tight end. And I and Logan showed us last year that he can do things that I ain't think he could do. Like at right. the end of the day, when he comes in, he's one of those guys that can line up anywhere and do anything. But I think a David and Joku will do as well. But if not, we can go down to Miami and and, and Drafo got uh, Blair and Thomas. It's a couple of tight ends out there. Uh, Yuboa from Ole Miss. It's some guys out there that you can draft in this draft that I think can get this thing done. And I, and I agree with that. I think they like that as well. You've been, again, you've been around when there have been, because we're, we're entering another offseason where fans are starting to get excited. Mm-hmm. As a player, you were here for a lot of that. You know, Steve Spurrier comes, people get yeah. excited. Joe Gibbs comes, people get excited. Mm-hmm. Albert Hainsworth is signed, people get, you know, some, a lot of people got excited. So, but what do you, like, what do you remember about first, like, you know, when Spurrier comes and the level of excitement around them? And then, like, when did you know this isn't going to work? All right, with Spurrier, I love, I love, first of all, one of my favorite coaches of all time. Like, I love the old ball coach. Now, the one thing I've learned about in life is you, you're pretty much defined by your passions. All right, your passions define who you are. And Coach Spurrier, the only setback he had was he came from college and he only brought college guys with him. He brought right. no pro. All right, beside Marvin Lewis, we had no pro. All right, right. And if he would have brought some pro coaches with him, with his offense, I think he could have evolved it. But it worked so well in college, he never evolved it. It got to the point where you, Kyle, you was at practice, and me and Champ would literally pick out four or five passes of practice. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it wasn't challenging us. And all we did was, I remember sitting on the bench and me and Champ was talking, and Champ was like, man, you probably won't go to the Pro Bowl only because the other corners are going to pick so much balls off against us. And it played true because it was just it was repetition of the same thing and it did not evolve. But we are, I understood early what it was because I had just had Marty Scheinheim and Marty right. was regimed. And, and that's all I knew. I knew the veterans didn't like Marty because he worked us too hard. But right. that's all I knew of the NFL. So I had nothing compared to. And Marvin kind of ran that show when Spurrier was here, didn't he, to a degree? Yeah, to a degree he did, and that's why we were still good on defense. That's the one right. thing about me. I've always been cursed, and i told people this. I had been cursed since college of uh, the defense bug, meaning I'm always going to be part of dominant defenses. It don't equal to a dominant team. Uh, and that's that just the way it goes. And I, mm-hmm. I never had an offensive firepower. I remember when I got to Minnesota, and for the first time I had Dante Coleman, when I was like, all right. And they actually picked us to go to the Super Bowl right. that year with, with the William brothers pass rushing and all the other stuff we had. And the first game of the year, Dante tears his ACL. I say, it, I'm the curse. I am the quarterback <laughs> curse. I am the reason we're not going to win because wherever I go, quarterbacking is minimal. What was the level of excitement for as a player when when Gibbs and I know this was your last year last year here during your first time, but yeah. when Gibbs came, what was different? What was the level of excitement um, around that? Well, Kyle, kind of, you might not even know this. I personally coached and told me this. I'm the reason he came back. All right, and it links from Spurrier. Uh, after Spurrier retired, you know he just retired and dipped, and <laughs> I was driving home to Mississippi. And I get a call from ESPN, and they ask me, could I stop in Atlanta and do an interview because Coach Spurrier just retired? So I'm hearing it right now. I'm doing the interview, and uh, they ask me, well, where do y'all go from now? And I said, the only thing they can save us now is Coach Gibbs coming back and coaching us. 
And Bill was watching ESPN with his wife that night, and he asked her that night, would she mind if he went back and coached? And she said yes. And he literally called Dan the next day, and that's how the situation started. So getting him to come back was like my greatest accomplishment of all time. Like, that that was it. And I was just throwing it out there to actually be funny, because you know that's how I am. But I believe if you throw stuff in the atmosphere, sometimes it can have good, great things to happen. And what was your cut for that? Oh, I got nothing. I, I, this is what I got. I got to come back. Because the great thing about it is the only reason I didn't stay uh, when I went to Minnesota is because we were so messed up under the cap. Like, we right. was terrible. It was really so bad. For those two years, the cap had, it was good. I literally went up to Ziggy Wilt's office in Minnesota and I asked him, if I could negotiate myself back to Washington, would you agree? Hmm. And he said, because I told him I wasn't happy and I can't play if I'm not happy. And he was like, yeah, if you can do that. I called Coach Gibbs, got Coach Gibbs, and Coach Gibbs was like, yeah, we can make that happen, made it happen. And when I came back, I negotiated my own contract with just me, uh, Dan, and, and, and Coach Gibbs. Like, I didn't even need Buzz Cook. Like, we went in, took two hours. It was finished. It was done with it. We went on. Yeah, you, I remember you were you were a happy guy when you came back. Yeah, yeah, because I realized that it, it, the grass ain't always green on the other side. And you can only give your best when you're happy. And I've always been happy here in the DMV. Uh, the people make me happy. Uh, the area makes me happy. And, and the thing about it is, like, when you love something, like I said, when you're passionate about something, you you know, it defines who you are. And then when, when Albert Hainsworth came, again, another level of excitement. Yeah. What was your take on the whole Albert Hainsworth experience? Well, I was one of the guys that they to help recruit Albert here. I was one of those because I like to play GM and I love to draft, you know. So yeah. college football is my thing and, and building teams is my thing. I just never thought you put that much money in one player. You know what I'm saying? You just don't put that much money in one player unless he's truly homegrown and he just became Aaron Donald or something. All right? So I just didn't think we needed to do that, especially at the time with us humming on defense the way we was. I would have rather them turn that $100 million into three players. And I knew he just wasn't going to – like, the thing The thing that's real, how should I say, dangerous about free agency is contentiousy. Contentiousy right. kills relationships. It kills marriages. It, can t- it kills everything. And after a player gets paid sometime – the hunger that got you paid ain't there anymore. And I think with Albert, the hunger wasn't there anymore. All right. Once he got a hundred million dollars and became the highest paid defensive player of all time, uh, the animal that was Albert Hainsworth had turned into, you remember Mike Tyson after like so long, he started fighting people. And after they beat him, he would like kiss him on the jaw. Yeah. It's like that wasn't early Mike Tyson. The early Mike Tyson go bite your ear off. Right. They're just like Conor McGregor. I knew he was going to lose this last fight because he's not hungry anymore. Like right. that hungry, poor Conor McGregor don't exist anymore. So I think that's what happened with Albert Hanger. Did you tell that right away when he came? I think I saw it in training camp because you can always tell if you're if the best players on your team ain't the hungriest, it, it leaks down to everybody else. And that's what makes Tom Brady the GOAT because even at his peak, he still – thinks like a seventh rounder, right? Like he still feels that hurt, feels that pain, and he's going to make the NFL feel that wrath for now 20 years. I told people, if you played in the Tom Brady era, 
you didn't win many uh, Super Bowl. So everybody been talking to me about the name change and why uh we leaving a legacy. I'm like, at the end of the day, if you played football in the NFL the last 20 years, if you're not Pittsburgh, the Saints, uh, 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 New England, you've won no Super Bowl. And it's because of Tom Brady, like the wrath of Tom Brady. 32 teams passed him six times, and that's why I had to feel the wrath of Tom Brady. And by the way, my Washington team was the last team to beat them the way we did before the Dark Dynasty started. The Dark Empire started after we beat them to death with Coach Burry. That's that's right. That's right. Are you, um, you know, so when you look at what they've done, are you optimistic about where this team is going? I'm so happy. Kind of, for the first time, I haven't been this happy because I'm very realistic about football. Yeah. We haven't had a team with this much talent on it, I don't think, ever since the Super Bowl times. Uh, you're talking about homegrown talent, and you're talking about just talent across the board. We're actually going into this draft similar to Tampa Bay where we're not drafting on necessity. We're drafting on luxury. All right. And you want to talk about dominating. First of all, the last time this team was great, we had the Hogs on the offense and we had Dexter Manley and Charles Mann on the defense. If you control the trenches, you control football. Right now, we have the best defensive line in football, hands down. They are so good that if I'm the GM, I trade the uh, the run pain right. I mm-hmm. trade the one pain right now because I can trade him and get back in the first round because it, the truth of the matter is, in three years, I can't pay everybody. I can't right. pay everybody on the front. And, and, and congratulations to people out there. They don't understand. Matt Ionitis didn't even play last year. Right. So not only are we beyond deep, we'll be on deep. And at one point, I had to understand, with him having two years left on his contract and plus a fifth-year option, he is a first rounder and he's one of the most dominant detailers in the league. I can get some for him and I can move on. So I am very happy with this team. Now the question is, can we get somebody at the linebacker, the next, the next level of the defense? Right. And I want David Collins from Tulsa, 6'4, yeah. 250 pounds, pass rusher on third down. First down, he can be your middle linebacker. Second down, he can blitz. He can do it all. I, I'm talking about athlete, and the one thing we won last year in the draft was we went out to freakish players. Chase Young is a freak. All right, yep. I need to match that this year, and I think Zayvon Collins will be at that at 19. All right, yeah, and that that would be that certainly would fill an area of of need with a really good player. So, um, last topic: Red Wolves. Are you still on the Red Wolves bandwagon, or you've kind of shifted your names? I'm on the Red Wolves bandwagon, and I kind of hit Twitter yesterday. Because I heard that they said uh, some of the fan base is feeling okay with the Washington football team. I'm sorry. Picking a mascot ain't just simply for the grown-up that love the team. It's for the kids. And imagine how many people screaming at the TV last year saying football team. Now, now they're not screaming saying, you know, any the rats or anything else. The football team. Like, people don't understand picking a mascot is more than just picking something that's profitable. All right. At the end of the day, it reflects who you are and it gives you identity and it changes the way you enjoy the football game. If we go to the football game and we're yelling football team the whole time, that doesn't ring a bell. It has no culture. It has no anything. It's just a team that's playing football and you just happy to be. there. Now, if I look at what Seattle did and I think it's their soccer team or their hockey team that they just got and they name it the crack. This so this is an imaginary animal, but do you know the things that they're gonna play with with that with that character? Mm-hmm. That yeah. it's gonna be 
It's going to be great for the area. It's going to be fun for the kids. It's going to be good. Now I ask myself, what can we bring to this area that'll be fun for the kids, that'll be new, that'll be exciting, that'll actually incite the NFL? Well, to tell you the truth, the last team that named their team after nothing was the Cleveland Browns. They're <laughs> named after the owner. Right. All right. And since they've been named after the owner, they won nothing because there's no excitement. <laughs> They had to make up a mascot of a dog, and they are not a dog, all right? It's not the dog house, <laughs> right? Now you ask yourself, if the NFL is so tough, why do we have more bird mascots and no canines? We have zero canines <laughs> in the league, and we have Cardinals, Falcons, and Ravens in the league. So I say bring the first canines to the league. Also, the Red Wolves are an endangered species that reach D.C., all right? So you bring something to it that changes everything. And imagine this. Not only do you get a new stadium, you make it the first dog-friendly stadium, all right? So if people can bring their dog, and we start howling every time Chase Young get a sack, uh, a, a touchdown gets scored, the dogs are going to howl also, all right? All right? And, and then imagine a tailgate where everybody got their dog at the tailgate, and you pulling in on the bus, and they just barking at you. Like, it, it brings infectionist to the team. And it don't have to be wolf, red wolves kind. It could just be wolves. I'm fine with just wolves. I, I just want something that can galvanize the area and galvanize the team. I like how much you've thought about that. And you got to realize, a raven and a wolf help each other in the wild. A raven finds the food, a wolf hunts it, they share the, the meal together. And remember this kind, cowboys <laughs> A job is to protect the, sh the sheep from wolves. There you go. So you can keep that rivalry going. Yeah. And you keep the rivalry going. Like I said, I love how much thought you've put into that because that's way more than, than I anticipated just when I asked the question about the depths of your reasoning why. So I have you communicated that to Jason Wright? I, I put it out there and we get to keep HTTR, hail to yeah. the red wolves. There you go. Fred, you're awesome. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Kai. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team. Everything you want, you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. 
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Fred for joining me and thank you as always for listening. Let me know via Twitter who your favorite free agent pickup was this offseason, and I'll pick a few of you to have on the private Zoom. Again, there will be some short bonus episodes throughout April, starting on April 1st. Um, John Jansen and Chris Thompson, I'll talk to you next time, and hopefully my voice won't be so scratchy.